Today, I'm speaking with one of my best friends, Mindy Coven King. Mindy is the founder of That.Media. Hey, Mindy. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I was hoping before we start off, since That.Media is kind of new to me also, because even though we're great friends, we live far away, and I know you for all the other things you do. Could you tell us more what uh, That.Media is? That Dot Media is a company that I started late last year, and the goal of That Dot Media is to create and curate positive media content to put out there in the world. And what I mean by that is, you know, using all kinds of different platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, lots of social networking, but all in a very positive way. You know, I think that inherently people are very good. And there's a lot of negativity going on and just want to put good stuff out there. And I just see beautiful things all the time that I want to share. The name that dot media comes from Carl Sagan's poem, The Pale Blue Dot. Carl Sagan wrote the poem in 1990. He was inspired by a picture that the Voyager took. As the Voyager went into outer space, the farthest that we had ever been at that point, he had it turn around and take a picture of the Earth. And there's this this picture of the Earth, and it's a, it's a moat of dust, as he says, suspended in a sunbeam. And in the poem, he goes into how everyone we've ever loved and everyone we've ever cared about is on this planet, and we need to care for and protect this planet and you know spread that love. Mindy, we've got so much to talk about. You're an educator, a mother, an amazing friend, and we're all going through a lot right now, but I'd say you've got quite a lot on your plate this year. You were separated about a year ago, and you have your daughter most of the time, which is, of course, a blessing for you and her, but it's still a huge responsibility. You're parenting full-time and teaching your students remotely due to the pandemic while supporting the classroom teachers by gathering resources for their lessons. And you've recently lost a dear friend to cancer. And in the midst of all this, in true Mindy form, you are finding the time and strength to develop your newest media project, Parenting Pandemonium. It is true. All of those things are going on. And it's been a lot. But I have a really great community. I have you, whom is always there to pick up when I call bawling, <laughs> as I have done. You know, and I have a, a couple other people here in the States that really take care of me and check in on me. And then the whole community around my friend, Jen, that had cancer and did die from it. She worked at the school where I teach. And that whole school community just really cares about me, about her, about all of us. And so it's it's wonderful how they check in to see how we're all doing. So I have that going on and that's a lot. I think another thing that's really getting me through is parenting pandemonium because we're parenting during a pandemic right now, but we are also parenting the pandemic. So because this is so new to all of us, in some ways we can shape our responses to it and show our children how it is that we can respond to times of crisis 
in a way that is still as mentally and emotionally healthy for us as possible. When I'm thinking about parenting pandemonium, it's almost a spiritual thing for me in that it makes me take time to check in with myself and think about, you know, what am I doing as a parent? What am I doing as a person and as a global citizen to help with this situation? And how can I offer my services and resources to people who are struggling because I have so much experience as a teacher. I've been teaching for 20 years and I know so much about child development. There are things that I share through Parenting Pandemonium with other parents in an effort to help them teach at home. You know, they haven't had any training. So Parenting Pandemonium helps me help other people, which gives me a sense of control. Excellent, which we all need to feel a sense of control right now to keep our sanity. It's also great that you're sharing your knowledge with people. Regarding Parenting Pandemonium, I've been reading it, and you wrote an entry in Parenting Pandemonium that I related to, which is kind of funny because I don't have kids, but I think it's something that anyone could relate to right now while they are in quarantine or you know shelter in place with a loved one of any age, and it's about food noises. I enjoyed it. And it reminded me of, I kind of, before we get into the present tense and we dive into everything that you have going on and that you're tackling, I thought it would be fun to kind of just go down memory lane because we have so many fun stories. (laughs) The traveling we've done together, you know, the time we decided to leave in the middle of the night to go up to New York I feel like I was the one that talked you into that. It was (laughs) maybe right after our senior year in high school. And I was like, let's get out of here. Let's just go. We knew we were going to New York, but I was like, let's go right now. And I was the one that was super keen on it. And you ended up being the one driving most of the way because I fell asleep. Yes. (laughs) The best part. Okay. Well, there's so many parts to the story that I love, but. (laughs) okay (laughs) okay this is like a three-parter because we've got the fact that we left in the middle of the night that was what i was driving my old volvo helga the one with all the bumper stickers the one that all the paint came off the day i bought it and but she darn was she a trooper yeah she was a trooper and she didn't have air conditioning and so in the summer you had this cute like little fan hooked up and we would do that and all the windows open. We were driving up to, I think we were staying at your parents' friend's house that was where? In New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Like not far from New York, right? Mm-hmm. And we had the plan to do a day trip to New York, but also a day trip to Philly. But before we get to the, <laughs> there's so many stories from this one trip. Okay. So first of all, we drive all night I have what I call a photographic memory. This is before GPS. This is before MapQuest. And, you know, I don't know how I did it. I really don't because I have no sense of direction. But I do have food radar. And I had been to an Italian bakery in Baltimore. Yeah. And you were fast asleep. I was like, I'm like, I'm just going to get off this exit and see if I can find this bakery that I went to a year ago. Don't know the name, but I remember it was on a corner and there was some neon involved. (laughs) How I found the bakery, I don't know. But I just remember you wake up. It's probably 7 a.m. I mean, the sun's just coming up and you're like, where am I? And I'm like, where (laughs) 
I'm like, this place has the best cannoli. We gotta get cannoli. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I remember thinking it was so random, but it, you know, I'd also just woken up and <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then my, okay, I mean, there's so many parts of the story I love. Then we get to your parents' friend's house and we get there and it's, you know, we weren't supposed to get there until that afternoon because we had, we weren't supposed to leave in the middle of the night. So because of course, you know, at that age, you still think your parents are going to get mad at you for everything you do. We're like, okay, what we'll do is we'll get there and we'll just hang out on the back porch, take a nap because we're exhausted. And as we're walking on the side, <laughs> you know, this, this part my parents don't know. Is it okay if they find out now? Totally. I totally. think so. I mean, we, we fixed the problem, right? So we're walking on the sidewalk to go onto the porch, and we realize that the cement is wet, and we have now <laughs> put our footprint. I mean, what are the odds? What are, what are the odds? So, we're like, so we so we we panic because like again as a teenager you think your parents are just gonna have a fit plus it's not even our parents it's your parents friends i mean like house guests from hell right so we, <laughs> so that was that car that i had that had everything in the trunk i mean everything and i think remember we used a book Yes, it was a big trunk. It was that trunk was huge, and yeah, you pulled out a book, and um, <laughs> and I remember. So the the sidewalk went from you know the front of her house around to the back to her deck, and you know, we stepped in it, and you noticed it. You were like, "I'm sinking! What is happening?" And you were upset about it. And we looked down, and we realized we're sinking. So you're like, "Okay, we're fine. We're going to fix this." And you know, you look through your trunk, you find the book and you go and you start wiping over the footprints with the book. And that's fine because it's the same texture as the cement. But then you yelled at me. I, I'm, I'm six feet tall. And at the time I weighed 150 pounds. And so I sunk in to that concrete and you were like, why did you sink so much? I'm so sorry. I don't remember that. I'm so sorry. I did not I did not remember that part of the story. That no, don't apologize. Nice. Don't apologize. You were exhausted and you had driven all night. And I was just like, yeah, I didn't sink deep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was tired and I don't do tired. I don't do well when I'm tired. I get very cranky. <laughs> None of us good do. Thing, good thing we stopped for cannoli. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so that's, that's part one of the story. Then the second part of the story, we make it through unscathed. You know, no one notices the sidewalk and we got onto the porch. We took our nap and then um, they got home. And I guess the next morning we left for either Philly or New York. But the, the day we left for Philly, she wrote down instructions. She said, you know, get get on the whatever the train was called, the commuter train. She said, it's not that long of a ride, maybe 45 minutes. And she said, and get off at the stop. That's the corner of Liberty and Freedom. I'm pretty sure that was what it was, right? Yes. And so so we get on the train and we're, you know, we're, we both grew up in North Carolina for the most part. So we, we're not accustomed to convenient transportation. So we're already like, wow, a train. And, it, and it's cheap. It was like two bucks or something. We get on and we're only on there for maybe 10 minutes, max 15. 
And you hear the lady on the speaker go, next stop, liberty and freedom, next stop, liberty and freedom. So we're like, oh, man, that was really fast. We didn't have cell phones. We were watch- mm-hmm. looking at a watch. So we, we were like, okay, liberty, freedom. That's our stop. And we get, <laughs> we get out and we are not. <laughs> we are we not can't a- find anything. No, and we're not in a neighborhood that appears to be anywhere near the Liberty Bell. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very, it was very kind of desert- deserted and run down, as I recall. And we were like, we got it. We need to ask for help. We don't know where we are. We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. And we went into, there was like a convenience store, kind of drugstore convenience store on a corner, like not a 7-Eleven because it wasn't even a chain. It was like a one-off, you know? And I remember there was one of those metal fences, you know? And I I mean, we were not in a great neighborhood and we go in and (laughs) there were a couple of people at the counter. So when they're done, we, we ask the woman, excuse me, but you know, could you help us? We're we're trying to find the Liberty Bell. (laughs) <laughs> and she looks at us she looks at us with she looks at us with complete disdain and says girl you're in the wrong state <laughs> <laughs> so basically we were still in in new jersey somewhere and we had to get back on the train and we did we made it to philly didn't we go and see the norman rockwell museum yeah that was awesome i also when when we went to new york decided that i because <laughs> it was the, it was the summer before college and we went to like urban outfitters which you know for us was exotic and they had a butterfly chair <laughs> remember <laughs> and i bought a butterfly chair at the beginning of our day trip to new york so we had to carry <laughs> we had to carry it was like 20 pounds or something. It was bulky. We had to carry it all over New York. And you did. <laughs> <laughs> and we set it up in Central Park. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when we set it up in Central Park, you were so satisfied with yourself. You were like, ah, this is perfect. You know, like, like this, like, this is what this was meant for. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man, what a great trip. So that wasn't even the, the story I was thinking about. But um, uh, <laughs> So I, you know, what, what started you on that was the I wrote a blog about the noises that your family members make when you're quarantined. And it's just the two of you or the four of you, the five of you, but it, it's just the two of us. And my daughter has started slurping extremely loudly. And that's never been something that really bothered me. You know, I've worked on it with her manners wise, but it's never bothered me. But I've been thinking this whole time that I'm hearing this, oh my gosh, this would drive Tony insane. You know, she just does not like food noises of any type. And that reminded both of us of when you were living in Pisa with Mm -hmm. an Italian family. And I went to see you. What was it like 2004? 2003. It was that summer that it was so hot that people were dying of heat. Literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you remind me the setup of the the dining area? On three sides of the table. So the two short sides and one of the long sides of the rectangular table, there were benches like a booth. And then the outside long part of the table had one or two chairs, depending on how many people came over. You were sitting in what was my normal seat, which was the short side of the table to the left. 
And normally I would sit, sit there, which put me right next to, this was my fiance at the time, next to his grandmother, who she could have slurped eating a marshmallow. The woman slurped no matter what she was eating. And then the dad did too. And then the mom did what I refer to as toothy sucky noise, which is <laughs> one of the worst. Ah, don't do it. Oh. <laughs> You're laughing. No, I read about this. It's actually like a fight or flight sensation when you hear these things. And I can't, I can't, I'd only been there for maybe two weeks and I was already thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. And you came to visit and your first time sitting at the table with all of us within maybe two to three minutes, you turned to me and what did you say? This is your worst nightmare. I, I didn't know how you were surviving because I was going insane and it didn't at that time have the same impact on me that it did you. And just the noises, I won't make them, but they were just coming from all angles, all angles. You could not escape it. It was surround sound eating noises. Yes. Yes. It was my worst nightmare. It really was. And the fact that you knew that and turned to me and said it meant so much to me because I was with them Basically, that my fiance at the time, his father had cancer, and it was a very stressful situation. And I was the one that tried to keep everybody happy and keep them together. So for me, it was an added stress that they were making all this noise because I was already trying to keep my stuff together for them, and they were just slurping and toothy sucking, and it was just a lot for me. That recent post that you wrote reminded me of that story. Uh, anyway, that's there. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I tend to always be neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so I would like to um, get back kind of into what's going on now and talk about kind of get the listeners to know you better. So you also mentioned school, right, that you teach. And would you like to get into that? Yes. So right now I'm teaching remotely. I was a classroom teacher for years, but now I'm the media coordinator, the librarian and the technology teacher. So normally I teach five classes a day and run the library and also take care of troubleshooting technology equipment and making sure the teachers have what they need, that sort of thing. So it's, um, it's a job that used to be done by three people. And now it's just one. So while we are, you know, during this pandemic, I'm helping teachers gather resources and I'm posting different activities for the kids to do some of their favorite stuff, the coding and that kind of thing. Just making sure that's all up and running for everybody. Mm -hmm. When did the school district that you work for and that your daughter attends decide to close? It officially closed on March 16th, which was a Monday. On Saturday, the school board had a meeting and decided, you know, once they had some more information, okay, we need to call it. We're, we're not going back to school on Monday. So that was hard because you, nobody took anything home. No one took anything they needed to do remote teaching home. The kids didn't take stuff home that they might normally would have if we were going to be out for an extended period of time. And it was hard too, because my daughter had her birthday party scheduled for March 15th. And at your behest, because you knew more about what was going on than we did, because it had hit Italy so hard already. You were you strongly suggested that we not have the party, and so we didn't, and um, we still haven't. You know, we'll mm -hmm. we'll get there. We'll get mm -hmm. to it. But yeah, so we have been out since the sixteenth. We were supposed to go back, I think May eighth, 
what month is it? May 8th. <laughs> We're supposed to go back May 8th. And then on f- this past Friday, the governor announced that we will be out for the rest of the school year. And a lot of people have taken that really hard. You know, it, it is hard. My daughter's in fifth grade and that's kind of a rite of passage year. But then you also have all the um, the seniors in high school. That's really hard for them. You know, no prom, no, they can't walk the stage to get their diploma. So it's yeah. a lot. What's it like being home now? At first we were tracked out which means technically we were kind of on vacation. That gave us a little bit of time to get used to things. As we've been out for over a month now, it's it's been it's getting harder and it's especially hard for my daughter because she's a one and only. So she doesn't have anyone else here to talk to and to play with besides me. So she's lonely and emotionally it's really starting to take a toll on her almost, you know, she feels like an island. And she says things like, nobody feels the way I do, because she, she's not getting some of that interaction and seeing how her peers are doing and how her peers are feeling. We had a rough week last week. It's taken getting used to, but again, we've got a great community to call on. So she was having a really hard week last week and was still trying to do her schoolwork. And I'm very fortunate in that school comes very naturally to her. She likes doing her schoolwork. She feels very obligated to do her schoolwork. Well, she was having a tough week. And on Thursday, she was working on her schoolwork and just having a total meltdown. Just felt like she could not do anything right with the work. And I explained to her, you know what, you need to take a couple mental health days. We just need to zone out. We need to watch a bunch of movies. You know, first I had to explain what a mental health day was because she didn't know. And so I explained to her what a mental health day is. And, you know, there there's an example of teaching our children how to deal with these things. How do I deal with these situations? She didn't want to not do her work. So I reached out to her teachers and just said, can y'all back me up on this? I, I need backup. I need you to say to her, it's okay to not do your work today. And they did, totally supporting us and understanding that right now, everyone's lives and our students' lives, it's not just about school. And it's not just about getting that work done. There's a very large social emotional component that we're having to deal with. We do social emotional at school already, but this is it's brand new territory and the kids aren't with us for us to talk to them about it. So it's good that her teachers are there. Over the last couple of years and even more so in the last couple of months, you were helping a friend who was battling cancer and she just recently passed away and you had started a podcast together. I wanted to talk to you about that because it seems like the mission of the podcast was to encourage listeners to listen to their instinct and if they have symptoms to follow up on those symptoms and get get tested and and that way they can get treatment and be on top of it so that they don't find out they have stage four cancer because they may have waited or ignored some of their symptoms. And it seems like it was a really rare type of cancer. So it was something that she really couldn't have foreseen Correct. Yes. The name of the podcast is What the Teal Happened, kind of a play on what the hell happened. (laughs) So she had primary peritoneal cancer, which basically means she, if she had ovaries, she would have had ovarian cancer. So teal is the color for ovarian cancer. Mm. Why didn't she have ovaries? 
she has um, she had a BRCA mutation, and it was one that causes breast cancer. There are some that cause breast cancer, some that don't. And so she had all of the surgeries to, she had a double mastectomy, she had an oophorectomy, which is removing the ovaries. So she basically had all her female parts removed. And at the time was told that she had less than a 1% chance of developing a gynecological cancer. She ended up getting this very, very rare gynecological cancer. And um, she was diagnosed about two years ago and went on PARP inhibitors right away, which are, it's an amazing new drug that basically keeps the cancer cells from growing. By the time they caught it, she was a stage 4B, which is the latest possible stage you can be in with cancer. She was 43 when she was diagnosed and she fought so hard fought tooth and nail. She has three daughters and a granddaughter that survive her. And of course, they may have the BRCA mutation as well because it's hereditary. And she really wanted to show them how to fight. And and she did that. She fought up until the very last minute. The PARP inhibitors bought her about 16 months. And then they stopped working, um, a lot of chemo. But in the end, her body just couldn't handle all all of it. So she went through a lot. The podcast, What the Teal Happened, she really tells her story. She tells her story about being diagnosed and just the emotions that she went through and, and everything that she went through. And we didn't get to finish the podcast. It just sort of stopped because she got so sick again, which I'm leaving that up. I'm leaving the website with that podcast up because you know, that's what, that's what dealing with cancer is. You go along as far as you can. And then all of a sudden that person's gone, you know, and, and, and other things too. I mean, that's COVID-19. We have that happening with families right now where, so it, it, to me, having that podcast still posted exemplifies the loss that we experience. So I do, I want to do more with that. Right now I'm focusing on parenting pandemonium while I figure out what to do with what the teal happened and how to move forward. You're my friend and I, you know, I want to know how you're feeling. I know that you haven't really gotten to process all of this because to be mourning someone right now during what we're all going through with the pandemic, um, you know, you're, you know, some people are, are losing loved ones to COVID-19 right now. And there are other people like you that are losing friends and loved ones um, due to other things. And, you know, it's already hard to lose someone you love and, and to mourn them and to get closure. But then to be doing that without ever, you didn't really get to see her toward the end. You didn't, there was no funeral. How are you feeling as far as not getting the closure that you would normally get in this situation. I'm assuming you're still figuring it out, but do you have any advice? Have you learned anything from this in the last week or two that you'd like to share? My initial reaction is to say, you know, I'm, I'm riding the wave. I'm just riding the wave and, or even I'm riding the whole ocean right now. And I think a lot of people are in that situation where the waves get really big sometimes and, and then they, they shrink down a little bit and, that's the best we can do right now, or that's the best I can do right now. I know I am very angry. Like there's just this anger inside of me and that there are several different reasons. Like I could list reasons that I'm angry, but it's truly, it's just an emotional reaction. And part of that is because I'm 
not letting myself sit around my daughter and cry all the time. You know, it's just her and me in the house. And yes, she should see me grieving. I, I believe that, but not all the time. I don't want to be crying in front of her all the time kind of thing. And, and then I am just working on finding outlets. I am making sure to meditate every morning, every night, reading books um, about spirituality. And one thing I'm reading as well right now is this book called The 29 Gifts. And it's a, there's a website about it too, but it's you take 29 days and each day you give something away. And in this time of coronavirus, most of what you give away is going to be being there with a friend when a friend calls, that kind of thing. And then journal about it, journal about that thing that you gave away. And it really brings, it reminds you of all the abundance in your life and all the beautiful things. So just... I'm really trying to focus on the good. For me, honestly, I'm thankful for the stay-at-home order right now in that if I were in school right now, this would be so much harder because i that's how I met Jen is I taught her daughters and then she and I worked together in the library and I would be reminded of her every day. Whereas here, I am reminded of her, but it's different. You know, mm-hmm. it's I, it, not as often as it would be. I can block it out. And right now, denial and anger, that's kind of where I'm living. And I just have to be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. I've read that that's completely natural in a time of crisis. If you have a circumstance in which you would normally be mourning, if you are also in a circumstance that you have to think about survival, emotional and physical survival, that's what takes priority. And right now that's what you're working on. You're working on your daughter's emotional and physical well-being and your own, but you have to, you know, maybe, uh, like you said, live in in anger and denial until you have time to go back and mourn Mm -hmm. when things are different, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to put links in the show notes, but I just want to have you also tell the listeners where they can find you, um, how they can connect, how they can find the podcast, how they can find your website, but also Parenting Pandemonium. Uh, Give me all that information, please. Okay, great. So Parenting Pandemonium, you can go to parentingpandemonium.com and find blog entries there. And then you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and Instagram under all the same handles, Parenting Pandemonium. For what the teal happened, the website is just www.whatthetealhappened.com. The day that the podcast that we're recording right now, the day that launches, I'll be doing a Facebook live event for Parenting Pandemonium and really starting to get the word about it out there and building it up media-wise, really advertising to let people know, hey, I'm here. I can help you, you know, and I've got a form that you can fill out on the Parenting Pandemonium page where if you have a question about your child, child development, you know, how do I handle this social emotional thing where I'll reach back to you with sort of like a Dear Abby type response and see how I can help. Okay. And I'm going to be writing in so you can tell me what the heck TikTok is. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. <laughs> TikTok's fun. TikTok is fun. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's basically it's it's like a video social media thing and and people just do all kinds of funny silly things on it. You can set it to music and put filters in and that kind of thing. 
Well, I would like to thank your parents for feeding me. It's a good thing we didn't meet until senior year in high school because I think <laughs> that I would have probably single-handedly thrown off their retirement plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so we we met in art class our senior year in high school. We'd both been to the same high school all four years. We, our paths just never really crossed. And we sat at the same table in art. We had our an awesome art teacher, but I cannot remember her name. I All I can remember is that we called her Gordy. And we called her Gordy because early on in the art class, we did an art project with gourds where, you know, you like sketch into the gourd a face, that kind of thing. And we asked her if we could call her Gordy. And she was super chill and let us do it. And she was great. She was so great. She really taught us a lot. But at the same time, let us be seniors in high school and, and let us be kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. She just let it. She she really let us allowed us to experience life at that time in her room. You know, we didn't have to just sit there in yeah. our seat and just do exactly this. It was a lot of creative expression. So we had Gordy. So we met that see our, our senior yeah. year. And then our senior year, we were allowed to go off campus for lunch. And my house was what, like a seven minute drive from school. So we would drive there and eat. And my parents one day, they were like, hey, my dad said, can you ask Tony to not eat so much when she's here. <laughs> and I just, because you were, you were slamming through the, you were a kid in the candy store. You were just slamming through their food. For example, you know, one day we ate lunch, like we had a sandwich, we had some fruit and some vegetables. And then my parents always had ice cream. They still always have ice cream in their freezer. And you decided to make a milkshake. And so you make this milkshake as we're trying, we're trying to leave. And you're like making this milkshake and you're determined. And you somehow you unscrewed the bottom of the blender and the milkshake went everywhere, all over. I remember that. <laughs> you know, that for me, whenever I think about my dad saying, can you ask her to eat a little less? You know, our grocery bill's getting really high. I always picture that milkshake just spilling everywhere. And I don't know why I correlate <laughs> the two in my head. But <laughs> yeah, I do too. you can eat you have a fast metabolism (laughs) (laughs) thank you and and your parents had your parents did back then and i think still do um they they have all the fun stuff that like my parents didn't buy you know nacho chips and mint chocolate chip ice cream and i don't even remember anymore those are the two things that stick out of my mind lots of nacho chips and lots of mint chocolate chip and then i know there were tons of other things too I think popped hearts. I can't remember. So I just remember it was, yeah, it was heaven for me. And, you know, and plus we only had like what, 30 minutes. So I was just scarfing it down, you know, probably eating twice as much as a normal person would if they were actually eating slowly and getting full and, you know, yeah. But your parents were always really good to me. I remember, I think at least one Christmas, if not two, I slept at your house and your, your mom, I remember she would have like a Christmas stocking for me. You know, I always remember that stuff. So they were good yeah. to me and I hope that they they were able to recoup for their retirement after after we went <laughs> after we went to college and they didn't have to feed me anymore. <laughs> <sighs> Parenting. Parenting. <laughs> yep. It's been good to talk. I mean we we talk often and 
but we don't get to have these long conversations. So this has been really good for me and really special. Yeah, same here. I really enjoyed it. And I don't get a lot of adult contact. <laughs> Y'all can see my face right now. She's, she's making a face like she's being held hostage and trying to tell me something. <laughs> oh, I love you. I love you too. When I think of everything I've done with Mindy, all the trips we've taken, the adventures we've been on, and the hard times we've been through together, not just the great times, I am truly grateful. No matter what she has going on in her life, she takes the time to help her friends. She was on the verge of her separation last year, but she invited me to stay in her guest room for over a month. <laughs> she is in the middle of this pandemic and and all the other things that she deals with being a teacher. I mean, she has so much going on. She's starting this new company. She was making that podcast and there she was taking care of her friend. I wish for everyone out there to have a friend like Mindy. And I really do hope you will listen to what the deal happened. It's more important than you might realize at the moment, until you've lost someone to cancer or another terminal illness, it's really impossible to imagine what that means on an emotional level. If you could help one person avoid getting diagnosed too late, if you could help one person prevent cancer spreading in their body because they have listened to her story on what the deal happened, that means a lot. I know it would mean a lot to Mindy. It would mean a lot to me. And I know a lot of people out there. I have an aunt who is still struggling with cancer. She survived bone cancer, one of the most rare cancers out there. At the same time that I was in Pisa with my fiance and his father was dying of cancer and then recently got breast cancer. So please listen to what the deal happened. Please share it with friends. And of course, also follow Mindy, follow that dot media because she wants to spread a positive message. And if she shares even a drop with you of what she shares with me and her other friends, then you're a really lucky person. Thank you for listening. Please sure to share the Corona podcast by sending it to friends. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. SoundCloud, or go to the website www.coronapodcast.com, where you can find links to all the different places Corona Podcast is available. Thank you. Yeah, man. But that's, you know, I tell you, I think it hits harder later in life. It, um, hormones, man, hormones. Hormones are everything. Can't hormones live with them, everything. can't live without them. <laughs> you know, like literally you can't live without them. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it.